Hey everybody, you're listening to the Poema Church Podcast. Today we're sharing a message from our latest series. We believe the Word of God in Scripture is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website, poemachurch.ca. My message today is called Dressed for a Funeral. And you might be thinking, okay, that sounds a little weird. A little, it's Thanksgiving. Why aren't you preaching on thankfulness? Today, we're talking about being dressed for a funeral. Now, I'm going to start us off in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And Paul says this. He says, he goes through the whole love chapter that we hear at every wedding and preached a million times everywhere. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't boast. It's, it's not rude. It's not proud. It keeps no record of wrongs. And he goes through this description of love. And then he concludes with this statement. And he says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love, he says. Now, sometimes I think when we read this, we think that Paul's saying, love is really the only important one, right? We mix the Beatles in with our theology. Love is all you need, right? We kind of just like think he's saying, well, you know, faith and hope are good, but love is the best, and so that's really the only thing that's important for you to remember, right? But that's not true. He said, these three things are going to remain forever. Faith, hope, and love. He said, the greatest of these is love. I'm going to explain why in a second. But I want us to bump down to 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 2 and 3. Paul says here, we always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope that you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here is another moment where we see faith, hope, and love tied together, working together. Now I want to ask you this question. I lived in Toronto for about four years, downtown, and for a while there, Matt and I didn't have a car. We had bikes. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever ridden a bike in a city before, but it is terrifying, absolutely terrifying. We have friends when we lived there who were hit by cars. They had car doors open on them as they were riding by. At any given time, if you were driving in a car, a biker could slam your window as you were driving by if you were going to accidentally hit them. It's terrifying riding a bike in a city. I do not recommend it unless you're some sort of a wizard who can just handle it. But I want to talk about a bike for a second because I want you to have this picture with faith, hope, and love. Now, I want you to view faith as the basic bike frame, okay? Faith is the framework. It's the reason we're all here. If we did not have a faith in a God, 
in, in a living Savior, we really would have no other reason to be here today, okay? It's the basic framework for what we build our life on. Now, I want you to picture hope as the petals. Hope is the thing that gives you momentum. It keeps you moving forward. It keeps you moving in the direction that God is trying to bring you. And I want you to view love as the steering system. Okay, so love is the why behind everything that you and I do. It is the motivating force. It is the thing that keeps us traveling in the right direction. Okay? Now, at other points in 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, your, he, he says, your faithful work. So when we think of faith, we live in Canada where everybody has a faith. Okay? I have a faith. I have a personal faith. But in the Bible, faith without works means nothing. James says, faith without deeds is dead. So when we're talking about faith, faith is lived out in action, in obedience. Okay? Then, hope is the thing that keeps us moving. It keeps us working towards something. It keeps us motivated. It keeps us pedaling, so to speak. And love is the reason why. Now, I want you to picture yourself riding a bike without one of those three things. Can you ride a bike without a frame? No, you can't. Can you ride a bike and go anywhere without pedals? No, you're not going to be going anywhere, right? And what kind of bike would you be riding if it could not steer? It would be scary, okay? It would be scary. I want you to think of these three things as something that you desperately need altogether, okay? You can't have it one way. You can't say, well, I just have a faith. It's personal, but I don't actually really care about what happens to anybody else. You can't just have love, and I just love everyone, and everything that I do, I just want to love, I want to love, I want to love, I want to love. But you don't have the framework of faith. You don't have the framework of the Word of God and what he's, His Word tells us we are called to do. Now, this message is called Dress for a Funeral. And at this point, we're like, okay, bikes, funerals. I promise it's going to make sense at some point. But I want us to talk about a couple things first. I want to talk about faith for a hot second. Faith starts with God, not with you. So faith is not about mustering up some courage within yourself to finally be all that you can be. Faith is based on God. It has nothing to do with our physical circumstances changing. It has nothing to do with our emotional needs being met. It is a revelation from the Holy Spirit that we trust who God is, how he works, and that he's able to fulfill the plan that he has for your and my life. Right? That's what faith is. Faith also isn't about people who never doubted. So you might be saying, well, I don't have any faith because I'm always questioning, I'm always doubting. Faith describes people who, in spite of their doubts, kept going. Even though 
nothing about their physical circumstances changed. They obeyed God. That's faith. So if you're sitting there and you're like, I don't have any faith, I want you to check again. And I want you to think of Noah building an ark when he'd never seen rain. Okay, I want you to think about Abraham, whose wife was barren. They were 100 years old, trusting God that he would be a father to the nations. <clears throat> or Joseph, a slave in prison, who didn't see his circumstances changing for a really long time. But one thing is constant about all of those people is that they obeyed God at the next step. And so faith is never about you being this. <coughs> Leo, can you pass me that drink? It's never about you being this, you know, sure, amazing, outstanding, wonderful. I, I never am down. I never doubt. I never question. It all boils down to this question, do you actually obey when it comes down to it? Do you do what God asks you to do? If you do, then you have faith. And faith isn't just for more stuff. I've heard that growing up in church. It's like you need to have faith for more, faith for a better job, faith for a better life. Faith, you know what? You need faith just to survive. You need faith just to do the impossible things that God has called you to do. I don't know if you've noticed, thank you, in this world that we're living in, but it's becoming harder and harder just to be a normal Christian. Right? Like, I don't need faith to believe for a new car and a better job. I need faith to get up in the morning and go out into my world and not completely succumb to what is happening out there. And to stand and go, no, my God is a good God. My God has a plan for my life. That's what I need faith for. Because being a Christian, you are called to trust God to do the impossible in your life. Right? It's not about stuff. It's literally the framework for what God is doing in our lives and in his church. And scripture says that you and I will face trials. So that's guaranteed. So I need a faith that I can face a trial and not never doubt or never question and go, God, are you really here? But a faith that says, oh, I don't know. I don't know. But God, you're telling me to do it. I'm going to do it. This is the type of faith. So, Romans 1.5, Paul says, Through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. Another translation says the obedience of faith. And I want you to think about this from now on. Faith equals obedience. Faith and obedience go hand in hand. Faith and works go hand in hand. You can't just say you have faith and your life has no evidence of it outworking in your life. That's not the way it works. Okay? Everything that you truly believe is going to show up somewhere in your life. When we look at Jesus, and this is where I want us to view faith, hope, and love as all working together. 
Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, cry for me. No, he didn't say that. If you love me, sing for me. If you love me, write me a, a poem. No, he says, if you love me, obey me. If you love me, obey me. John 13, 35, he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now he's taking it a step further. He's saying, if you love me, obey me. But if you really want to be mine, how you treat one another is going to demonstrate whether you actually love me. Your faith is demonstrated in the way you love one another, in the way you treat your neighbor, in the way you treat the people in your life. So looking back at this bike, love for God is the thing that actually steers and motivates us, the way we treat others. He says, if you love me, obey me. If you love me, love one another, he says. So love is steering and motivating everything that we're doing. And it's built on this framework of faith. But the framework starts with God, not with you. I just want to remind you, the framework for your life is not your talents. It's not your giftings. It's not your passions. It's not your dreams. It's him. It's his word. It's what he has called you to do. And I know that that is not a popular thing to say nowadays. But I'm maybe silly enough to believe that when we find him, we find ourselves. And it doesn't happen the other way around. Amen? So, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for. Here we go. We're seeing these things being tied in together again. Faith is confidence in what we hope for, and it's assurance about what we do not see. And here, I want to take a few minutes to talk about hope. And I want to camp here, because recently, I went through a situation. This whole year has been kind of a crazy year for me personally. I um, experienced... At 33 years old, my family breaking apart, my parents' relationship. And uh, they were my pastors for 20 years, my parents for 33 years. And um, they experienced an earthquake in their relationship. And it, like earthquakes, sets off other ripples in all the different areas of your life that you didn't even really realize would be affected. And it started to affect my relationship. It started to affect the way I saw myself in our church. All at the same time, Pastor Matt and I took over this church, all while this was happening within the same months. And I step into a new family where some of you I've known for a while, but I walk into a place like this and I'm a stranger and I'm already feeling 
like broken on the inside. Like, you know, when there's just something not right on the inside, like something is broken in me. And I'm um, just being honest with you because sometimes I think we can stand up here and you can look and say, well, they, they can say that because they, I, everything goes good for them. No, it doesn't. And I experienced something for the first time in a real way that I don't know if you've ever experienced, but I became hopeless. Hopeless. Now, some of you might say, you know, I'm not hopeless. But did you know that hopelessness can show up in weird ways that you don't think? Hopelessness can make you apathetic. Meh. Meh. What does it matter anyways? Hopelessness can make you complacent. What's the point? Nothing's going to change anyways. What's the point? Anxiety comes from hopelessness. A good definition of anxiety is fear of future pain. And what I've experienced in this last season is when I was hurt so deeply, it was hard not to be consumed by the thought that I didn't want to ever be hurt like that ever again. And if you've ever been hurt in your life, you know this feeling. I'm never going to let anyone do that to me again. And then we start going to the doctor because we have anxiety. And anxiety is fear of future pain. I don't want to go through that again. I don't want to be hurt like that again. And the problem that happened with me is it started to go from anxiety to basically preparing for the end. Now you might think, wow, that's a little bit dramatic. I don't know, it's just my truth. But Israel is in exile. <clears throat> and in Isaiah chapter 43, God makes this declaration to Israel. And he says, I'm going to make a way for you in the wilderness. He says, I know you're in exile, but look, I'm about to make a way for you in the wilderness. I'm going to rivers are going to flow in the wilderness. And he makes this amazing declaration to them. And we usually stop there when we're reading it. And then I kept going. And at the bottom, he goes, but you've stopped asking for my help. He goes, this is what I want to do, and this is what I want to do, and this is what I want to do but you've stopped asking for my help. You've stopped believing that I'm going to do anything. You've settled in so much into your pain, into your hurt, into your hopelessness, that you actually have stopped asking me to deliver you. You've actually stopped asking me. And that's when you know you're hopeless, is when you stop asking God to do the things that you know he can do. 
You and I know he could do the impossible, but when's the last time you actually asked him to do it? Because when you're hopeless, you stop asking. And you just start to settle within yourself, I guess this is the way it's always going to be. I guess I'm going to have to live with this for the rest of my life. And I went through this on an individual basis. And I know even here our church is going through this. We've been through a huge shift in the last six months. The pastors, my husband and my aunt and uncle who founded this church, after 30 years have stepped into the next season in their life. And we started to see people just disappear. And you can start to go, wow, we might as well just pack it in. I mean, what's the point? I've thought it. People in the church have thought it because they've said it to me. So I'm not making that up. And you know what we start doing when we're hopeless? We start dressing for a funeral. Get up in the morning, pick out something black. Hey, no offense to black, I wear black. I, I know it doesn't look like I wear black today, but I promise you nine times out of ten I'm wearing black. And we don't even realize it, but we get dressed for a funeral and we wait for it to die. We wait for it to fizzle. Maybe you can feel this in your marriage. You just have settled in that this is the way it's always going to be. And so I'm just going to dress for my funeral and I'm going to wait. Maybe you felt this about a dream or a purpose that God has placed in your life. And as the years go by, it just never seems to happen. And it's not happening and it's not happening. And things are moving in the opposite direction. And you don't even realize you're hopeless. And when it comes to that dream, when it comes to that thing that God has spoken into you, you're all dressed up for your funeral. You stopped asking God to even make it happen. Maybe some of you have sickness. Believe me, I know your story. A year before all of this took place, I got sat down in a doctor's office and told that I had MS out of nowhere. You're getting the real, you're getting the real me today. MS. Don't Google it. <laughs> I did that and I was like, oh God, I've really started dressing for my funeral. And it's like, how much more can I take, God? How much more can things just literally keep falling apart and looking like they're going nowhere and looking like they're going backwards? And we're all dressed up for our funeral. The Thessalonian church was doing this as well. So this church back in the day was the most persecuted church on earth at the time. They were panicking. They were so hopeless that they stopped working. They all quit their jobs. Can you imagine this? This is like um, that end times survival type thing where 
They all hunkered down. They stopped working. They shuttered themselves in together, and they waited for the end of the world. That's how bad it was. They were so persecuted. They were being killed and tortured and destroyed. They were hopeless. They believe that this was the beginning of the end. And when we're hopeless, we get dressed for our funeral. Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Not those who love the Lord. Those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Paul responds to the church who's all hunkered down waiting for Jesus to come back. And this is his instructions to them. And you're going to really feel just a touching, warm, compassionate response here. He says in 1 Thessalonians 4.11, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Mind your own business. Go back to work. This is what he says to them. Work. Build. Live your life. Live in the moment. Be useful to the church. Be useful to the community that you're living in. In other words, get your hope back. You're all dressed for a funeral. So, in the last season, like I told you, I really felt on the inside like I was just preparing for my own personal funeral. My parents' marriage fell apart. Our church that they started is grieving, wondering if they could ever trust anyone again. I'm leading the church while going through my own personal pain on a platform, which is not fun, when all you want to do is just go into a hole and not come out until you're healed. And the anxiety was getting so loud that I was starting to have panic attacks before I would go on stage. That, you know, all they're going to do is think that I'm just like my parents. Am I going to live in the prison of what my parents did for the rest of my life? Because I can't change my DNA. I can't change who I am. I can't change my isms that are going to remind somebody of them and trigger them and <clears throat> it became a little prison and um, we had our sisterhood conference and I was on my face at the end laid out on the floor and I'm hopeless I, I let things come out of my mouth that I'm not proud of like I don't want to be here this is what it's going to be like. I don't want to be here. Have you ever felt that way? I'm laid out on the floor. And the Holy Spirit's like, why are you all dressed up for a funeral? Who died? And I'm like, 
what? <laughs> I start laughing. He's like, oh, oh, you're all dressed up for a funeral. He's like, don't you know this is a birth? This isn't the end. And I saw a vision, like a sheet dropped down before me. And it was like a timeline. And I saw myself in the exact outfit I was wearing. And there was a starting to the timeline. And there was an ending, and I was right at the start. And he's like, don't you know you're at the start? This is just the start. Why are you dressed up for your funeral when you're at a birth? And it hit me in such a deep way, I actually, <laughs> it was weird, I actually started laughing so hard. I couldn't contain it. I started laughing and laughing and laughing. Like, wow. And then the Lord started showing me, if you don't have kids yet, you might not fully get this uh, reference, but... <coughs> I want you to picture two scenes. Both are in a hospital. Both have doctors and nurses running around, yelling. There's heart monitors going. There's blood flying everywhere. Okay? And if you could see God's view, if you're standing on the outside and there's commotion, both in a hospital, Doctors and nurses running around, blood flying everywhere, heart monitors beeping. If you could see God's view, in one place, someone's dying, and in another place, somebody's being born. Looks the exact same. Sounds the exact same. Someone's screaming as if somebody is torturing them. One person is screaming out in pain, fighting for their life, and another is screaming while fighting to bring new life into the world. And on the outside, they look and sound the exact same. And the Lord is like, this ain't no funeral. This is a birth. This ain't no funeral. I know it feels the same. I know it looks the same. I know it sounds the same. But I'm trying to birth something new. And I'm going to ask Sharon to come. And I laughed and I laughed and I laughed and I laughed and I realized how hopeless I was. I realized that I was so hopeless that I started to just be like, meh, guess this is it. Might as well pack it in. And I want to ask you to ask yourself, have I felt hopeless? 
Have I given up on dreams, on things that God has placed in my heart because it looks like it's dying? Are you all dressed up for a funeral? And God's like, this ain't a funeral. It's a birth. We need hope. First Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope is actually a person. When you start to put your hope in things and plans and people, you very quickly realize how easy it is to become so disappointed that you just stop asking God to do the impossible. God's ready to make ways in the wilderness and he's like, yeah, you stop talking to me. You stop asking for my help. I'll ask you this, what good is a bike that can steer and that has a frame but has no pedals? You can love God all you want. You can know the word. You can have faith. But if you're hopeless, you're not going anywhere. This revelation in my life, I so desperately needed. And it changed the way I started to view everything. See, I'm looking at a room like this, and I have so much joy. Because I'm like, <laughs> it's just getting started. Some of you may have been in this church for 30 years. I haven't. I just got here. We're just getting started. This is a birth. I don't care if it's looked like death. I don't care if it's looked like the end. I don't care. If there's doctors running around and nurses and heart monitors are flatlining, I don't care. Because the purpose of all of this is to birth new life in Jesus' name. And I speak that to you as an individual. <laughs> that hope would fill your heart's right now in Jesus name that hopelessness and anxiety and apathy and complacency and giving up would no longer take up residence in your heart and in your life and that it would be replaced I want you to say this out loud I want you to say I'm not at a funeral. I'm at a birth. This is not my funeral. 
this is my birth. This is not the end. I'm just at the beginning. And I want you to tell yourself that over and over and over and over again until you believe it. I want you to tell yourself every time you feel that hopelessness trying to creep in. God, would you remind us that you are the keeper of all plans and that your plans for us are good. And that just because we haven't seen everything yet does not mean that you are not working. God, forgive us for where we've stopped even asking you to intervene. Forgive us for where we've stopped even asking you to do the impossible. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for every life. And I want us to just take a moment and everyone just to close your eyes and don't worry about anyone else in the room. If you're in this place today and you're saying, this is for me, I want to recommit my life. I want to build my life on his foundation. I want to build my life like that bike. I want my frame to be on faith in who God is. I want love to steer my future. And God, more than anything today, I want hope to keep moving. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand to heaven this morning. Thank you. Holy Spirit, pour out your purpose, refreshed vision in Jesus' name. The Spirit of Jesus, our living hope, poured out on these people who've raised their hand today. And I want us all to pray together as we close. Just pray as a family. Say, Jesus, I commit my life to your plan. Take my hopelessness. Fill me with hope. Holy Spirit, come and live on the inside of me, giving me your perspective. Show me, God, that this is my birth, not my death. We love and thank you, Jesus. Seal everything. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website, poemachurch.ca.